Hi, and welcome to another edition of Drag Hags, where three ladies of a certain age discuss RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, this week, it's actually only two ladies of a certain age, so uh, I'm Jan. And I'm Ren, and MC dodged a bullet, but not being here this week. Oh my goodness, what an episode. She's off having real-life adventures and not having to put up with the uh, grade school version of RuPaul's Drag Race. All right, this week we're going to discuss Tap That App, wherein three teams all compete with new RuPaul-approved dating apps. Um, and we start off with more workroom drama. Um, Vixen versus Aquarius sort of starting to needle one another. Um, and they're discussing what happened uh, at the runway last week and also... Um, uh, you was, uh, no, not you. I see, uh, I have no brain today. Um, uh, calories depart, discussion of calories departure. Um, and, um, the runway, uh, from the, from what was going on last week. Uh, and Monique once again has a very inflated view of herself and why she should have been in the top instead of just safe, uh, which is starting to grate on me. Um, this week our guest judges were Nico Tortorelli, who I have no idea who that is. Yeah, me neither. The one and only Courtney Love. Um, and I should say, it's a shame that MC is not here because she and I uh, once saw Courtney um, in a very, very dazed state, we'll say politely, uh, wandering around the baggage claim area at Heathrow Airport uh, when we were there on a trip around, I want to say it was the 2011 trip. Um, it was interesting because it was about 8 o'clock in the morning UK time and we were blasted um, from being on East Coast time. And there she was in our baggage claim area looking pretty out of it. Um, but Courtney, Courtney didn't, doesn't show up till the end. So there isn't a lot of interaction with guests before that. Our first challenge was a mini challenge, which were, uh, ads for RuPaul's chocolate bar done in the style of the Calvin Klein ads from the 1990s, which I'm not sure all the, uh, Queens actually got the reference, but the whole, the ladder and the panel wall behind them and the sort of weird, tell me about your life questions were all those, uh, CK jeans ads. And oh, ads from the 90s yeah it was, it was a in fact there was a big to do at the time because they were kind of bordering on pedophilia because they were kind of young underagey looking models in their underwear and it was that whole like get off the bus picked up somebody thing um i'll try to find a link for them that we can share for those who don't didn't get the reference like me <laughs> a lot of people yeah i got it um and it, they were creepy then and the chocolate bar ads were kind of creepy but on purpose at least um okay but that explains the the the, the uh quick get off the bus drag kind of yes thing. just do yeah. yeah for you know virgin coming into the big city to make them you know, their mark and okay yeah and it sort of had the weird vibe of you know taking the young naive person off the bus into somebody's basement and you know then the next thing you know they're doing porn or selling their ass on the street or something. It's just, like I said, they were kind of creepy then, and this didn't make it any less creepy. Um, I thought it was, it was a cute challenge overall. I think some people were funnier than others, especially, and I like hearing Rue laugh. It always makes me uh, happy to hear Rue laugh. Um, first of all, Aquarius didn't know the Pledge of Allegiance because Rue said to sing the Pledge of Allegiance, and Aquarius starts singing the Star-Spangled Banner. So I, I, thought, I thought she said to sing the Star-Spangled Banner. No, she oh. says, sing the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, whatever. I, I think by by the time that we got to Aquarius, I was, I was I pretty much like Miss Cracker was, was cute, but not into it. You know, Mayhem was was not bad for a pussy cat, but Dusty was so mad, and, and Aquarius look was mad, and so I'm kind. Of, I guess that's totally didn't clock that she said pledge of he said pledge of allegiance and not 
Star Spangled Banner. Yeah, I, well, Aquaria obviously didn't either. That's why I thought it was kind of funny. Um, I thought Blair was really adorable. I just made a note there, especially when she got to do uh, her tap dancing, because she said she could dance. And un unlike last week, where she was, you know, kind of a drunken giraffe, um, this week she she tapped and she, you know, did somebody like uh, Ann Miller proud. So I yeah, was by that. Um, and Monique was actually pretty good, except for, of course, that awful, awful accent. Um, I know there is, I guess this is if Idris Elba was Irish, maybe. Um, I don't know what that was, but yeah. Worst Jamaican accent ever. Um, so I, overall, I thought it was a hot mess. But uh, the winners of that, according to Rue, were Blair, uh, Monique, and then Monet Exchange. And they got to be the captains of the three teams for the, this week's major challenge. Um, so then we had the picking of the teams, and the teams were Blair picked uh, Miss Cracker, Eureka, and the Vixen. Monique picked picked Dusty, Ray Bottoms, Cameron, and Mayhem. And Monet picked Asia and Aquaria, and Yuha uh, wound up being sort of a last minute because she was stuck last. And nobody seems to want you on you on their team, which always bodes well for the team and for the person involved. So um, that was that. And the themes were, okay, Blair's team got end of, an app, uh, for End of Days. Uh, Monique got something called Fibster. And Monique got Madame Butterface. Uh, because her body's rocking, Butterface. Um, and so, Ren, what do you think? Well, I think that um, the apps all had possibilities, but uh, people weren't really wanting to work with each other very well, I thought. My feeling was I thought I, when I first heard the challenge, I thought I was kind of excited. I thought, oh, this is going to be fun. Little did I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mayhem, I was really surprised. She she just kind of shut down. She was just not having it from the beginning. She was just sort of sitting there going, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, and it, it that actually made me very frustrated because, I mean, her drag sisters are like Raven and Detox and a lot of other, like, I wouldn't say aggressive queens, but definitely extroverted queens. And it's like you would think if – those were her drag sisters that she'd know how to deal with people like that and not just sort of fold in upon herself as compared to like at least speaking up for herself and like showing some backbone. So I was very frustrated by her like total passivity there. And you're right. Yeah, she was having none of it from the beginning. Yeah, Yuha has no clue. She actually has no clue. She was like, you know, sexy to her, I guess, is healthy. And, and um, she was just not getting it, which sort of went throughout the whole episode. That was her theme. I just don't get it. Right, and I'm also I'm not going to listen to anybody when they tell me shut up, shut up. You're 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 yelling at me, which yeah. no one's doing. And you know, when the entire workroom pretty much tells you you don't know what you're doing, maybe you should like stop and listen instead of being so bullheaded. So yeah, uh, Yuha pretty much was losing from the beginning. You can see she was just not anywhere uh, to begin. Um, I thought the team end of days for the most part uh, was fairly cohesive. They seemed to work the the best together um but vixen started in immediately uh because she had issues because i think she wasn't the leader so therefore she wasn't in charge and she sort of went for eureka and started rolling her eyes to being negative now granted eureka is somebody who seems to like kind of go in there and, and start to chatter and share all her ideas and maybe she's a little too enthusiastic but the vixen was like rolling her eyes and basically discounting anything she had to say before she even listened well yeah, to be fair though erika did start automatically without it'll be really funny i'll just do fat jokes because i'm large so i can can go there and it's just like oh girl did you have to you know, just pull that out right away it's just so obvious yeah i i think that was, I mean, in a way it's a defensive mechanism i think that's like a lot of you know plus size larger comedians will do that because if they don't say it somebody else will true 
as, as Eureka sort of jumping inside. But I think also Eureka is comfortable with her size, and I think that it's okay. She thinks it's okay to make fat jokes if it's at her, if she's making them at her own expense. Like, don't go for her, but she'll do it herself. Okay. And it didn't bother me that much, and also the vixen wasn't really offering anything up as an alternative. And she's one of those people that seems to be very good at being critical without being constructive at the same time. Yeah, I think she was just hoping that she that Blair would be sort of thrown under the bus a bit for being team leader, but maybe you know that her she, that Vixen herself would stand out, so she wasn't going to offer any suggestions or anything, and just say, "Okay, well, this is how it's going to be. I'm good in my part, and you know, good luck." Yeah, um, and I think Blair actually did a very good job as leader. I thought it seemed to me that even with Eureka's sort of over enthusiasm and sort of grabbing the ball and running it when perhaps it wasn't her job to grab the ball and run with it. I thought Blair did a good job of like kind of reining everybody in and getting the, what was really the best commercial out of everybody. I mean, yeah, you can see that in the filming, the filming process, you know, they, they did they had to do some takes over, but it's like everybody was getting it. It was just, you know, if Michelle or, or, or Carson told them to do something else, they would do that other thing right away. It wasn't a matter of um, them, you know, do this, and they do the wrong thing again and again and again. Not that I'm thinking of you or anything, but you know. No, no, not <laughs> even at all. So, uh, so yeah. And then uh, we had a little bit with Yuha's eyebrows, where everybody was basically telling her from the beginning, as we said, "Why do you look pretty? You're supposed to be ugly. You're supposed to be ugly." And Yuha knew what she was doing, except of course she did not. So, um, also then we at least for a commercial break. I don't know if it was in your area, but I kept seeing ads for Trixie's tour um, in the middle of commercial breaks. I saw one ad for that. That came up once in my feed, yeah. We got three. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're really pushing her and also the show Boys in the Band. Um... No, we didn't We didn't get that because I'm out in New York, so we got we got a lot of um, promos for, for love and hip-hop in, in Atlanta or whatever, whatever the heck that show is called. Yeah, we got that and also uh, X on the Beach, which I guess is another VH1. Oh, yeah, yeah. Watching. Um, but yeah, we also got Broadway show Boys in the Band with... Um, Matt Bomer and uh, Zach Quinto and Andrew Rennell and um, Jim Parsons. It really looks like a really great cast, but it's really funny. I was like laughing because it's like, yes, they know that, you know, gay men from New York watch this show. Our <laughs> 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 play that and Ulta Beauty and Trixie. So over and over. But then aside. So then we got to the filming and um, first we actually saw the Fibster ad, uh, which was kind of, um, as Cameron was dull to begin with, and speaking of people who don't listen to Michelle and Carson, Cameron was like one note, looked great, but and also Cameron had jumped in and insisted that she be the uh, narrator, and that really was awful. And I actually think that they skipped a big joke there because Cameron can present as so feminine and then out of drag is so masculine. I think it would have been really funny if they were playing with things you're lying about, um, you know, to either be this gorgeous woman and then being on the app and then showing up and suddenly you're this hot muscle bound dude. And the, the, the date initially goes, Oh, okay. And then goes with it or the other way around as compared to the really weird and didn't work at all. Dominatrix joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and mayhem wanted to narrate, but mayhem didn't speak up about narrating. So mayhem did not narrate. And I thought she was totally lost in the, in the process too. Well, she didn't have anything to say. She kind of had right. to like, you know, fake everything herself and um, oh my, you know, it didn't help that Monique was very much like, no, 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 you do this, you know, cut me, show this on me, you know, okay, you can start rolling, okay, so you can cut, you know, let's do that again. And it's like, yeah, um, you're doing other people's jobs. Hello. 
Yeah, and Monique was really good as a director for herself, but she was not paying attention to what anybody else was doing in, in the scene at all. No. It was really another one of like, me, 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 me. And she was really good in what she did, but she like let everybody else go to hell because she wasn't a good team leader. Right. Um, and the micromanaging was just, you know, enough to make your head spin. Um, the end of days, um, I thought the Vixen also didn't, I mean, she was supposed to look like somebody who was like declaring the world was ending, but I thought she was flat also. I thought her role was kind of bad. Um, not, the role itself could have been good, but she was like not over the top. I didn't think she was funny. She was just kind of there with the sandwich board. But she was able to be carried around and, and it worked with the other three, whereas that same level of funny was like the other two groups but that was like that level was like the top level in the other two groups as opposed to being like the bottom level in this in the end of days group and so it was yeah. really noticeably different yeah i, I think you know I, um you know vixen said herself that she seemed disconnected and i think she was but i think that's her she was not tr i mean you know we joked about shangela during all stars you know talking about alliances and working with people vixen seems to be going out of her way to to Prove she can do everything by herself and for herself and unfortunately part of the component of drag race is well, it is every bitch for herself. It's also bitches have to work with other people in a team if you want to get yourself ahead. And I think Vixen is not grabbing that, and I think that's going to hurt her in the long run um, because she's not a team player, which is fine. Right. That's not going to get her to the where she wants to go. Um, and then the Butterface ad was a hot, hot mess. Except for Asia's face. Asia's face and the expression on that face, that was to die for. Yeah, Asia was perfect. And also, Asia listened to direction. When Michelle and Carson said to, like, mug more and to, to pull it out, she did, and that's why she won everything. Um, Monet was supposed to be, like, the pretty one, but Monet's padding was awful. I noticed it was, like, very lumpy. Well, I think it was supposed to be, though. I think that was part of the joke. Because you have a really pretty face, but then the body is like, you can feel where everything was like, you know, siphoned in and, and stuff like that. You know, you can Okay, feel I see. I, I missed that joke completely. Yeah, that, that's why that's, that's why they that's why they wanted to go for for the uh, the banging body, but the butter face thing. Right, because, got it, because, got it. You, know, you just care about the body, and you don't necessarily have to look at the face. All right, gotcha, gotcha. I see, proves I like was completely not paying attention because that joke went right over my head. Um, I just, I thought Asia was funny as fuck. She was just, she, she was, was, and she, even when she wasn't saying anything, she, she knew how to, it was funny. She knew how to steal the scene and did so. Whereas Vixen was complaining earlier that Eureka was a scene stealer and like working over everybody, which wasn't true because I thought that Eureka and, and Cracker worked really, really well together. And they, oh, were, they did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, and also nobody really interacted with Asia, so Asia did her own thing and did it right. Um, and Yuha was just like all over the place. Um, and, then, and Aquaria for once wasn't wrong about her assessments about just how Yuha was like completely missing the mark. It was yeah, it was a mess. Um, and then we got to the workroom again. Day two. And there was more drama. Oh, but by first that we had we had story time. All right, right. No, I I have that. Right, story time actually. This the drama was starting, and then we went into story time. At least that's what my notes say. So Blair uh, started talking about her connection to her mother, and just how supportive her mother is. And I just think that's one, and how she missed her mother, and and being able to talk to her mother while she was there. Um, yeah, was really sweet. And I thought it was actually very sweet of Eureka to say, "Look, you know, I have other drag kids. You can talk to me. I'm here for you." And I don't think that was like being snide. I think that was actually a very like caring thing. Because yeah. Eureka. You know, Eureka, Eureka, I actually like her most of the time, and I, I think she's a caring person, and it came across nicely there. So It did. Yeah. Um, 
And then, of course, you know, Query was jumping in about everything and anything. Um, I don't know. Uh, well, Query launched the first volley in this week's of RuPaul's Fight Club. Right. You know, and, and but for but fortunately, she was she was she was blocked by the spider for a moment. Which and, okay. Oh my god, that spider reacts just like dudes. Really? Okay, I, I you know I know I know that you're queens, but you know. That was like, how staged is this? And if this is for real, I'm going to cry. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a five foot two, 55 year old woman. And that spider, I would either smush it or I would just grab a cup and throw it out. It was not a tarantula. It was not Shalob. It was not uh, Aragog from Harry Potter. It was a freaking tiny little spider on the dress and jumping over tables and Screeching like really? It's like are yeah, you in a Warner Brothers cartoon or something? Yeah, um, that was just like way, way over the top. But thank goodness, you know, Cameron was, you know, Macho Cameron was there to take care of it all. Yeah, he saved the day. Uh, that was just I don't know. Like I said, I hope that was not like some kind of weird. Let's try this for dramatic effect because, uh, no. Um, but yeah, so we had that, and then we actually went to uh, the discussion about religion. And uh, Dusty Ray's story, which tore my heart out and made me cry, and I cried again the second time I watched it. Oh yeah, that's just—I just can't see how parents can do that to their child. I just can't. I don't either, and I, I just—it no matter what it is, it's like you know, unless they're you know an axe murderer or you know dealing in major major drugs and killing or a pedophile or something, you know, something that's really horrible and awful. I don't see how a family can do that to a family member at all. And to not understand, you know, that love is love and that we are who we are and just the craziness. I mean, there's nothing in the Bible and yeah, we're getting a little, you know, preachy here, but there's absolutely nothing in the Bible about, you know, rejecting your family if, and then, and just, ah, so my heart goes out to Dusty Ray and everybody liked Dusty Ray who's gone through those kind of things because, it's just, it's horrible, and I'm glad that you know everything has worked out for him and his fiance. And you know, as he said, in a way, you know, that day actually did change everything. So maybe God was listening. So if that's true, hey, good. So that was a heavy duty thing in the middle of all the. I mean, we go from the sub, the actual ridiculous of a spider to real life concerns. Maybe that was the point. I don't know. Maybe, but then we went back to Fight Club. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, and. At this point, I've just shut down on both of them. I, you know, I understand that Vixen is going to stand up for herself and, you know, the optics are not good or fair in terms of Vixen coming off perhaps as the angry, you know, the angry black woman, um, as one of the cohorts said, but I mean, Aquaria definitely is a shit stirrer and she's starting, but you have to get to a point with somebody like that and just say, okay, I'm not going to respond anymore. I'm not going to react anymore. Because, I mean, we had two people there who both want to get the last word and both want to get the last punch in. And because of that, it's just going to keep going and going in perpetuity. And somebody has to actually step back and say, okay, I've had it. I'm not responding anymore. And the problem is that we're also dealing with two very young people. Aquarius 21 and Vixen is only 26. So, I think the maturity there is just completely lost on them. So it's true, and, and of course, Aquaria had to be the drama queen and and leave you know, in a in a huff because she was you know not happy, and it's just like oh please, you know, it's like yeah. just, you know she's a bully and just can't you know take what she dishes out and and yeah, that's, and that's the end of it, yeah. Yeah, and she's also 21 years old, and her brain is not where it should be. So maybe someday she'll learn from this. I don't know. I mean, you know, some of some queens on the show figure out 
what was wrong with them after they see these episodes and kind of get a clue. Other people, <clears throat> uh, Fifi, uh, seem to just perpetuate it and can't get past it. And unfortunately, that screws up their careers because after yeah. all, nobody wants to deal with that kind of bullshit, and they shouldn't. You know, there's, and this is the other thing, again, about the show that's frustrating me, and I don't know if it's because they're on VH1 or what, but it's just this whole, like, let's focus on the drama, let's focus on the infighting, let's focus on, you know, people bashing at each other. And that seems to be, like, you know, the crux of a lot of these other reality shows, like X on the Beach, because you're suddenly on some desert island with your ex who ruined your life, or, you know, what other, other crap is going on. And that's not why I'm watching this show. No, no, me neither. And I Perhaps the drama is there, but perhaps they're also helping to make it because through the editing choices, and it's probably a bit of both. Yeah, and um, it was interesting because Aquaria, I think yesterday, uh, was on Twitter, and she apparently told people, fans, to like lay off Vixen. It was basically saying, whatever happened between us happened between us, and I don't want you jumping in because, you know, leave the Vixen alone. So either they... As we may see later in the season, they've worked out their differences or they've worked them out post-show and they're working together now. But, you know, unfortunately, the fans get very hot and bothered about this stuff and then they jump in and make it ten times worse with, you know, threats and death threats and all sorts of other crap. And we don't need that either. No, we don't. And that's the other reason I think I don't like the drama because it does escalate not only within the queens themselves, within the fandom and pop culture at large. And who the hell needs that? Especially these days. So. Yeah, I mean, the fandom is just getting more and more toxic. Yeah. And not, not, and not in the Britney Spears kind of way either. You know, it's just the people are just getting so awful to, towards each other and, and threatening queens with death and, you know, dismemberment and, and coming after other fans for, for not liking the queens that they like. It's just like, it's just, it's just, you know, entertainment. That's all it is. It is not, you know, it is not, you know, life changing. It is, it is not, you know, how you know how countries are run that sort of thing it has nothing to do with what is actually going on in real life it's just you know a chance for entertainment and here you go ruining it by right. by by, well, by being rude to people by being mean to people by you know threatening people's lives things like that it's just like stop it yeah i mean for me like if i don't like a queen or i don't like a performer or if i don't like anybody i mostly will either block them you know mute them or just not pay attention to them because it's not my cup of tea and if you like somebody you know again as long as they're not you know doing harm to small children or puppies or kittens or you know whatever as long as they're just like kind of living their life and being stupid let them do it and you know, they can go away, and I, I don't have to pay attention to them. It's not what I need, and I think a lot of people get way too caught up in this now, and it's very, very depressing because the, the unlike bullying and the dogpiling and the threats and, and the trying to ruin people's livelihoods, it just needs to stop. So, And that's what I think, you know, when we see this kind of drama, it's like, yeah, it may bring in ratings, but I think it encourages this kind of behavior. Not that it has to be RuPaul's best friends raise, but it shouldn't be RuPaul's, you know, third grade recess fight club either. <laughs> Right. So anyway, uh, having ranted a bit, uh, because I'm just worried that we're going to have this, you know, nonstop shit drama fest for the next however many weeks. Uh, we had the main stage. Um, and the main stage, the, uh, the theme this week was feathers. And um, I thought Courtney Love was just having a good time. And I, I just realized the jacket she was wearing was actually kind of a feather coat, which looked, uh, probably marable. Maybe it was fur. I don't know. But it looked really cute and i like what she was wearing yeah and i don't know who nico tortorelli is so you know i like his suit yes and he seemed to be really happy to be there yes 
Um, so the first person that came out uh, was Blair in sort of the white dress, which Michelle later clocked as sort of arts and crafts. But I, um, Blair actually posted something to Instagram, which I thought was interesting, and I wanted to share about that dress because I thought it was cute. And I know Carson really liked it. Uh, she said, what RuPaul's, what RuPaul's Drag Race didn't show is that my mom, all caps, made this gown for me in 24 hours before my... I got on my flight for Drag Race. I had ordered a feather gown from a pageant I was stepping down from that wasn't shipped to me in time for filming, so my mom came to the rescue at the very last minute and made this all for me. All the girls, all caps, uh, in the workroom helped me add extra feathers to it, and Monique Hart even gave me uh, a headpiece, uh, sorry, I can't read here, uh, and Monique Hart even gave me an extra bag of white feathers to attach to the dress. Eureka O'Hara helped me make the headpiece, uh, too. I talked about this dress on the Although it may look a little arts and craftsy for you, this dress was very special to me because it was made with so much love. I'm calling it the love dress. So, obviously, Blair's mom is awesome. And, see, that's something that I would have preferred to see instead of the workroom drama is maybe people helping each other out and, you know, adding feathers and just doing something positive and, and constructive with one another. Yeah. Oh, we did see, I didn't see a bit of the feather adding. That was when Eureka and um, Blair were talking to each other, but that was sort of like the after thought that was just like, you know, this is the draw, you know, what they're saying is important. They're just happy to be playing with these feathers. And um, yes, it did look a little bit arts and crafty, but it still looked a lot better than some of the other things on that runway. So, yeah. you know, it's like half of one six and a dozen of another. Yeah, I like that. Um, then came Ms. Cracker, and she was in her bluebird dress. And um, as she mentioned on the runway and also expanded on a little bit on Instagram, um, the dress was actually based on, I guess, the day one of her friends died, um, she looked out the window and saw bluebirds building a nest. And so that dress is, is sort of like, was the death of one thing, the beginning of another. And she kind of brought it together as a tribute to her friend, which I thought was lovely. And I thought it was really cute. I love the, the bird's nest fascinator on her head. And, I, and so far, I mean, everything that Cracker has worn, I'm, I think is really cute. And when it's kitschy, it's kitschy in the right way. Right. So I'm definitely you know, behind uh, Cracker on that one. Um, Eureka came out wearing, uh, she was the first of several Queen of Crows, uh, but it was sort of like Ursula meets Crows slash Ravens, and I thought it was pretty cool. Um, her makeup was pretty funky. Um, it was a different look for her, and I'm glad she at least is starting to glam it up again. So Yeah, no, I like I liked her makeup. I'm not so sure about the dress. It just it just didn't do anything for me personally. I thought it was, it was well-constructed and stuff, and, you know, looked good on her, but I, it just didn't, like, do anything for me. Right. Then we had Vixen in her peacock dress, which I don't know. Oh, I that was fun. That was fun. I liked it. I liked how she was working the train, and I thought that the choice of hair with it and, and, and the little headpiece was, was great. I thought it was a great look for her. Yeah, I would say I put down that I, I wasn't crazy about it, but I liked the presentation, and I thought she was having fun with it, especially the train and the way she was moving. And also, she's got killer legs, so she was showing them off. So that part worked for me. Um, then uh, Monique, and I don't even know what Monique was. Oh, Monique was wearing the pink and black thing. Uh, no, no, no. Um, no, that was mayhem. No, no, no. This, this was the white and gold cape with with, right, right, right. with, yeah. with the, with the um, late. She had the dress underneath, which was kind of a boring dress with a little marabou, you know, board trim. Yeah, right. So the and dress didn't do anything, but the cape itself was really nice. But it just didn't quite go together. Yeah, me. I just wrote a, an okay meh. And uh, then there was mayhem, which is in the pink and black, which. I don't know. There was something about it that didn't fit right, especially when they showed her from the back. The illusion looked a little like... Oh, the zipper. And, yeah, oh the zipper. Oh, my God, the zipper. The zipper was just like, could you just... You might as well just put arrows to it saying, hey, look, here's the zipper. And it's like... Yeah. With, with, a, with an illusion like an illusion like that, you got to figure out someplace else other than the, straight up the back to put that zipper because nine times out of ten, it's going to get clocked and clocked hard. Right, unless you're wearing something over it, like, you know, if you have a cape 
or train or something that comes from the shoulders that's in a cover up. Yeah, for like, for like example, Shangela's uh, pregnant Beyonce look from All Stars. You know, she had a crepe on with it. So you know, so on the TV, you didn't realize that she had that big zipper up the back. But when we saw her in person. You could see that. You could see that zipper up the back mile away. Yeah, but but you have to hide these things exactly. Right? It was you know it was pretty from the front, but it didn't quite even the front didn't quite do. It didn't have. It was missing some kind of oomph. And the back, like I said, I just like cringed when I saw that. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That's like, you know. No, just no. <laughs> brand, brand new uh, novice mistake in terms of sewing or designing. And we know that Mayhem is not a novice whatsoever. So I don't know who designed it or who did but that was a big no. Um, then uh, Dusty came out um, and the green thing. And I really hated the makeup. I just it was like, I like the feather, the idea of the feathers for eyelashes but the makeup looked like washed out and weird and there was something about that whole corset and whatever that didn't quite work together i it was, I, it was kind of another bodysuit yeah you know it's just like is this the season of the bodysuits i guess i don't know yeah it just yeah. didn't it just yeah just didn't i didn't like any of it really yeah yeah and then cameron cameron was like as everybody said cameron was amazing um i just thought that was just between the hair the makeup the wings um it was very very dramatic and it, it did what it was supposed to do which was just oh my god feathers birds cool you know and yet another queen of crows sort of kind of yeah the, the, the way that those shoulders of those wings articulated oh that was just fabulous yeah that was like beautiful construction she wore it well and she knew how to pull it all together so you know well done cameron um then um, Monique's, uh, Monet's outfit, which was the sort of pink, red, long thing. Um, but I had to, it was pretty, but Monet started saying about how she felt like a woman from the 18th century, which would mean she was in the 1700s. It's like, okay, where's your panniers, panniers, huh? Where's your, where's your robe you know? Where's, where's your, your powdered wig? You are so not 18th century, it's not funny, you know? Yeah, and the hair was all, I mean, the hair was awesome, but it was, I think it was the rock star wig's finger wave. Yeah. Uh, Either that or it was um, from uh, Arda wigs because they have the Josephine wig, which I actually wear with a 20s costume. So from the, the neck up, she was like very flapper and the dress was kind of flapper. So it worked well. But I just like when you start talking about 1700s when you're wearing a 1920s-esque view, I don't know, it just made me kind of giggle. And then the fact that Monet didn't know whether they had feathers in the 1700s either. <laughs> Well, no, they had no birds. Birds didn't come around until until eighteen twelve. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know, yeah, when it yeah, was the war, you know. Yeah, the Brits, the British brought them over. Um, yeah. for the Russians or something. I don't know. It was just. I mean, she looked great, like I said, but it was just the the runway commentary was just very very weird. Um, and yeah, we're gonna get nitpicky about costuming and historical fashion and all that because you know whether you're a costumer, cosplayer, you know the theater fan or drag queen, you should know your history or try to anyway. Um, then Asia came out in the uh, Tweety Bird thing, which I thought was absolutely adorable. It was. It was totally out of the box, and it was she's like a little fluffy ball of bird. It was just great. Yeah, and I love the fact that the way the hair with the little top knot and the gloves, everything. Like, you know, Asia was just, a, it, it, she pulled out a really good look. And considering, you know, her, the fact that she basically saved their Madam Butterface app uh, thingy, she just, she did great. So I was really impressed by Asia, like pulling it out like that. Um, and you, um, at that point, I was all crowed out. Um, so she was another queen of the crows. Um, and I get what she was trying to say, but the red wig was, did not work with, the rest of the dress um and again she was kind of clueless and as the judges pointed out when they tried to talk to her or give her 
constructive criticism. They didn't say, well, you look like shit. They were just saying, I don't get this. She had to start clapping back and mouthing off and trying to explain things that didn't necessarily need to be explained. Yeah. And also, if you have to explain your look, then you're not carrying it. I haven't carried it off well. Right. Because the thing is that you can do a look that people don't get, but it can still impress you like, you know, mofo. And that's all that really counts in the end is if, you know, you wow somebody or make them laugh or, you know, if you get a strong reaction other than, oh, my God, that's the most awful thing I've ever seen in my life, unless it's on purpose. Um, yeah, you should not have to do that. So uh, you yeah, was a mess. And then Aquaria, um, I just put down, uh, I got the St. Sebastian reference, even though Rue did not, because um, Rue said something about Cupid. Uh, but I, I don't know. It just... I could have lived without it. I don't know. Yeah, well, her makeup reminded me very much of her makeup the first week kind of thing. Maybe yeah. she's just into that that sad little doll kind of thing. But it's like, okay, you did kind of this before, so why are you doing yeah. it again? Yeah, I, I thought the St. Sebastian theme was kind of neat, um, just because, you know, and like I said, I've seen a lot of art, so I got the iconography. I don't know. It just didn't quite work for me uh, overall. Then we got to see the commercials. Um, for the apps and first was the end of days which I thought was really really awesome it was just funny it like tweaked Christian Mingle it tweaked you know and considering Blair had said that she was religious I thought it was really nice because I think it was kind of sort of showing um, the hypocrisy of that particular uh, segment of the population especially after hearing Dusty's story so it really worked overall and I thought Cracker was funny Eureka was funny the whole thing really worked. And I Vixen was there. I mean, I guess they needed a straight person, no pun intended, for the jokes. But Vixen just kind of was there and she didn't contribute anything major. She, contribu she, she contributed more than I thought she would, judging by the filming right. of it. You know, so that was, that was kind of a nice surprise for me. And you know, Blair was just such, she's such a theater kid. Oh, my goodness. It's just great. Yeah, I, I just, I love her, like, vivacity and I love her just, like, She's so excited by everything, and she's young, but and it shows, but in a good way. It's like very, very endearing. Um, and also, I just, I just thought the the final line about Armageddon laid tonight was just like the best because good puns will always make me laugh. So yep. to them, um, it it really worked overall. Um, then we had Fibster, which was just kind of there. Like uh, some of the jokes were okay, the concept was okay, but it just didn't land. Cameron was boring. Man. I wanted, I wanted. I want to know why Cameron had two roles and, and Mayhem had a quarter of a role. That's Good what question. I want to know. Because right. you know, Cameron didn't need to be both a narrator and be one of the people on the app. She could, you know, one or the other would have been fine. Right. And also the other thing I didn't get was that um, when we saw Cameron like typing her app in, she was, you know, oh, I'm a blonde who likes this, that, and the other thing. And it looked to me like she was telling the truth, which I didn't yeah. understand. Yeah. If there was supposed to be a joke there or about she was lying about something, I missed it. Um, and having seen the show twice, I tried to look to see what, you know, because everybody else's joke you got, but the blonde character, and then we never saw that character again anyway. Yeah, I, I think it was, I, I guess she was trying to, because, you know, just play off, you know, well, she's really this, you know, this muscle bound, you know, gym rat, you know, wearing this blonde wig typing it, but that didn't come across. It actually would have probably worked better if she had just, you know, done it in boy drag, but did that same narration, that cutesy voice. Right. That would have been hysterical because that... Yeah. That was the point of it. Yeah, that's the joke is that everybody's lying. and Or if she was doing it and blah, 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 and then you saw Mayhem, still with the blonde, but being an African-American person and a dominatrix, not this, like, you know, white bread, sweet and light girl, meeting the guy. I mean, that might have worked, too, because obviously she was lying about what she looked like or what have you. 
Yeah. Maybe that was supposed to be the joke because you saw the blonde hair, but that would have been funny. You know, oh, okay, you don't look a thing like your picture, but, and you're into, you know, BDSM, but hey, wow, okay, let's go for it. That at least would have been, I, I don't know, it just, that oh, made wait, oh, wait. no sense. Are you saying that, that, that Cameron and Mayhem were the same character? I don't know, that's what I'm saying. I'm wondering if that was supposed to be it, because remember, she was behind the, behind the menu, but if it wasn't, if they weren't supposed to be, it actually would have been funny if they were. I mean, I, I don't know if that's what they were trying to do, but that actually would have been a funnier joke than whatever the hell they were trying to do. Yeah, well, whatever they were trying to do, they kind of crashed and burned. Right, because we also don't know, like, Mayhem's character suddenly came out of nowhere meeting the guy, and, of course, you know, the pit crew guy, and she was in leather, and she was a dominatrix, but we never saw the setup for that punchline. So, what was the point? Yeah, really. Yeah, so that was a mess. Uh, and then we had Butterface. Um and I wasn't going to say also in the Fibster thing, I thought Dusty as, you know, as Sybil or whoever in the same song, that was really funny. And I thought Dusty really pulled out her part of the, the thing. Oh, she did. And Monique was really good with the roaches and everything, too. So half the team was good and the other half, like, was completely lost. Uh, and then on Butterface, um, Asia was really, really super. She was just like, you know, that face. She listened to the judges, or sorry, the, the directors. Um, she stole scenes and and she got the joke and, and ran with the joke um aquarius was actually pretty good considering his i mean you know maybe a little bit over the top but at least the nose and and the boils and everything and the club thing was actually kind of funny she was doing some cute little stuff in the background and other people's scenes too so right as much as i don't like to give aquaria you know a lot of compliments i mean i will give her this because she did do what she was supposed to do yeah um monet was okay but I, you know obviously i missed the joke about the lumpy you know, body and blah, blah, blah. And Yua was just like, I don't know what she was selling in that ad, but it wasn't Madame Butterface. Yua so, was best in the background of uh, Aquarius bit, where she was, you know, you know, bring, you know teasing the, the pit crew guy while right. Aquarius was doing her lines. That was like the best, her best performance in the entire episode. Yeah, I mean, she just didn't grasp the concept of ugly. I mean, I don't know. It, it, you know, she did the mole thing, and okay, she could maybe not having a fake nose because two out of three already have it, but she could have done something really weird with her hair, you know, like make it a big rat's nest or, you know, whatever, um, you know, black, as they said, blacked out teeth, which she didn't do, mm -hmm. put a scar on her face, and, you know, done a Frankenstein's monster thing, anything instead of what she did. She yeah. completely lost the track, and she's a, you know, very attractive person to begin with, so maybe it's hard to uglify yourself, but... There, everybody else managed to do it okay. So, I yeah, she yeah. was crashed, burned, exploded. You know, nuked the entire tarmac. I don't know. It was just, it was a nightmare. Um, yeah. So then, um, the way things ended, we got Blair, Eureka, and Asia were the top three. Um, the safe people were Monet, Monique, Cracker, Aquaria, Vixen, and Dusty. And our bottoms were Cameron, Mayhem, and Yua. Um, and I wrote down that Carson was totally right, but I don't know what Carson was totally right about. Um, so we then had, you know, the, the more judges deliberations and just, I don't know, the, the people on top, you know, managed to endear themselves to me even more. Mm -hmm. Um, and the people on the bottom, I don't know, Cameron was okay. I mean, I don't think Cameron, I think what said Cameron was Cameron's general looks. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. Um, and Mayhem, I just, I was really disappointed because like I said, her drag sisters are, all people with like you know big mouths and big personalities and how do you like you know shrinking away from that especially i mean maybe this is why her i mean not 
any shave. And maybe this is why her, it took her seven times or whatever to get onto Drag Race because she just doesn't put herself out there the way she should as compared to other people. I don't know. I, it's the whole like it's a real sing out Louise moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she didn't, and and oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we had the uh, at the lip sync for your life, which was uh, holes. Celebrity uh, skin. Celebrity skin, and actually, I was really happy that we got a different. Co- I mean, granted, Co- Courtney was one of the judges, but um, I really like the fact that we got some like Riot Girl grunge music instead of just the same old disco or kind of you know. Right whatever thing it was it was a little different i thought they both tried really hard on i think they did too but i think you just kind of missed the point of it she was just more like she's she's she being pop girl with a she was being a bangle and yeah. you know and um no, no shade on the bangles of course and um mayhem was 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 being you know like a riot girl and you know really, you know and the difference was was palpable yeah and especially at the end you know with, with um I've forgotten the line of the song now, but it's something like, you know, going to pieces. I should have looked that up, actually. Um, but when Mayhem was literally tearing out hands full of the, the feathers and throwing them on stage, Matthew oh, yeah. about, you know, you want a piece of me or whatever the line is. It was great. I mean, she really got into the song and she not only lip synced, she kind of felt what the song was about and interpreted it. Whereas, yeah, Yua was just kind of, I don't know. She's she, rocking out. Yeah, she was sort of Demi Lovato or... Demi Lovato, uh... Uh, you know, Susanna Hoffs. I thought Susanna Hoffs when I was watching her. Yeah. yeah which is like, yeah, sorry, Susanna. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Susanna, but yeah, you're not a drag queen. So. <laughs> yeah, it just it was just kind of, you know, apples and oranges. So Mayhem rightly won that one. And I hope she steps up too, because like Eureka got the message last week and went from zero to 50, as she should. And now we need to see Mayhem do the same if she's going to stay in the race. Um so, you know, we're another one went home and I do follow you on uh, social media and I like her and she's actually said some very, she seems to be a very positive person. I don't know if it's a Zen thing, um, but she always seems to be trying to take whatever the situation is and make something positive out of it and moving forward. So I hope she learns. And she said she was happy just to be on there. She was happy to, you know, for the time she got. And it was really nice in that way that there was no vitriol. There was no like salt. It was very much being happy as compared to bitching and moaning and complaining about why she had been sent home. So that's good. Yeah. I think she's a very positive person and I hope to see more of her in future. Um, But obviously she was not, Drag Race winner material, so... Not at this point in time, no. Yeah, so um, that ended this week, thank goodness, and, you know, and the... Um, we did have another uh, Untucked. Which, <laughs> yeah, which I, I, I didn't even make notes on because I just... My, my brain was hurting too much at that point. Yeah, All right, the only thing I made, wanted to bring up about that was that, I guess, Vixen had a point. She was talking about how when when she came for Aquaria and everybody in Aquaria started crying, everybody would see that as the poor little white girl being picked on by the big black bitch. And it's just like, I would not have brought race into it, but that's just, maybe that's just me being, being, you know, an old white lady. And I was just, I was just saying, you know, you know, strong, you know, two you know, bullies going at each other and, and one bully just not being able to take it. Yeah. I mean, it's hard from our frame of reference to really get it. Yeah. Yeah. You get that. So I, I think that, that there is truth in that, but I would, I personally would have been frustrated by the situation, regardless of who was starting with whom, because as I said, somebody in that kind of situation, just with that kind of ego level, somebody has to walk away and somebody has to be the adult and say, enough, I'm not feeding into this anymore. Um, and 
I, I mean, I think if people have been watching the show enough, you should be able to see that basically, you know, Quera is a little terrier. She just like runs and yaps and attacks people for no reason because she wants to, you know, she's like a little chihuahua in, in a room full of uh, big dogs and she wants to be a big dog too um, without understanding that people are going to knock her down. So I don't know. Um, yeah. I, and so I just hope that things get sorted on the show soon because I don't want to watch this show if it just constantly be people beating on each other and bitching at each other and you know next thing we know we'll be seeing you know physical fights and things flying around the workroom and all that stuff I don't know it, it turned into an episode of Geraldo or something from the 90s you know Joe Springer yeah <laughs> there you go you know so he's gonna throw a chair and the next thing you know it'll be a bull out brawl and I'm not here for that shit I'm just no. not <laughs> So, producers, if you're listening, because we know you listen to all these web yeah. podcasts. Yeah, just remember, it's RuPaul's Drag Race, not Jerry Springer's Drag Race. <laughs> Actually, that would be a really kind of fun, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live skit now. I oh, that would be, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't be bad at all. Oh. Yeah, especially if everybody was, like, in Jerry Springer drag. <laughs> you know, rumpled suits and stuff, and, you know, little guys beating on each other. Drag kings. Here, there you go. Um, who knows? Maybe we should start our own show. Um, so yeah. Um, and next week, I can't remember what the challenge seems to be next week. Oh, it's the end of the, it's the end of the world ball where they have produced three different looks. And I'm like three different looks this early this season. Oh, so we're not going to see anything in the workroom this week, I guess. No? Yeah, I guess not. I mean, I was hoping, I guess we're what, on week four now, I was yeah. game, but I'm assuming that's going to probably come up like week five or week six. Um, not week five, not at least according to my VR listings. So yeah, I haven't been able to find the listings of like upcoming titles, so I don't honestly know. No, I know usually like usually Snatch Game is like week five or week six, so perhaps week six. But perhaps yeah, I mean, this we're still kind of winnowing people out. Um, and I think at this point we're also the you know in terms of the wheat and the chaff. I mean, we're not quite there yet, but mostly the people who are left are the people who have been safe for the most time. And then we've got a few people who are starting to shine. But, I mean, it's early days yet, but I don't know where it's going to go. Because it's nobody has really, like, grabbed me so much that I'm just, like, immediately glomming onto them as team whatever to the end. Which Right. Um, but we're only three weeks in, so maybe somebody else will come out and really blow my socks off. But so far, not so much. Agreed. Um, so yeah, you can tell this is a lackluster episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like we're trying to come up with things to say about it, and it's just our summary is it is just shut up, just shut up already. Just no, you just shut up. <laughs> you sit in that corner, you sit in that corner, you sit in the third corner. Everybody be quiet and, and time out because I really yeah. want somebody to come in and be the parent in that room, and so far nobody is or nobody's being allowed to. Um, because you know, even when people were trying to talk Vixen down, she wasn't having any of it, which, and again, she's 26, so I think that's part of it. Oh, I'm um, sure it is. Yeah, you know, she knows everything, and it, she's just going to fight. And I get, you know, there are reasons to fight, but sometimes, like I said, you've got to walk away because it's just going to perpetuate until, you know, you're at, suddenly at the nuclear stage and it's no fun. Um, yeah, so in terms of our charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent this week, um, who do we think had the charisma i'm gonna go out on a limit and, and say no one okay because no one really um, stood no one really stood out yeah i i've been racking my brains to try to figure out like who did what where and it didn't quite i mean maybe the girls of team end of the world collectively sort of were charismatic in their app because 
But that's sort of like, it's a low bar because it was just everybody else was so much worse. Yeah, exactly. Um, in terms of uniqueness, um, I'm going to say uh, Cameron's runway look. I thought that was, you know, in a, in, in a flock of crows, in a murder of crows, she stood out in terms of the, her crowiness. And also it was a really awesome look. So Agreed. I and also Asia's Tweety Bird because she went for like the kitsy cutesy as compared to the eleganza or, you know, the, the goth. And actually that's why she won because exactly. she, she stood out in terms of everybody else. Uh, nerve um i don't know just it's, unless it's all these people are getting on my nerves <laughs> everybody's getting on our nerves so they all get it for nerve yes yeah I, I can't think of anybody who like really put themselves out there in a positive way and like showed some moxie um maybe a little bit i'll give a, a little bit of it to eureka just for picking herself up off the floor and actually pushing through finally um so she had a little bit more nerve because she was such a mess before this uh, and then talent, I'm going to give it to Blair's tap dancing because, you know. I love me a tap dancer. Yep. Give me a good hoofer and I'm hoofer. That's with an F. Um, and I will, <laughs> I will be happy. I just love them dancing guys and gals. So, yeah, I, I just. And other than that, I want to say the Vixen and uh, Aquaria just for having the talent of pissing me off so much that I want to throw things at my television. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah, this week was, I wanted it to be better. Like I said, it was a great challenge on paper with other queens involved. I think, you know, with other casts, you know, past years, I think this would have been like amazing. Um, but it kind of. It fell flat. Yeah, it did. Like I said, the best one was End of the World and that was good. But I, you know, if you think of somebody like a Bianca or an Alaska or a Jinx, I mean, people with like real chops who. And some and some experience because I love Blair, but Blair is very much the ingenue. She's what, twenty one, twenty two years old. So she's still like, you know, got that, you know, new yeah. smell about her. <laughs> and she's just I mean, I love her to bits, but she's just not seasoned and she doesn't have the experience and the acting chops and whatever to really shine yet. Agreed. I, mean, I think she's a diamond in the rough. She's gonna get there, but right now it's still like I said, this this challenge with other people from you know other seasons i think would have been amazing but it just didn't quite so um any last words because we're actually this is going to be a short one but a short one is like uh can you please not fight each other next week and actually like just compete and not worry about the other people's dramas that's my words for next week yeah my word ditto here just like can't we all come together and sing kumbaya for a little bit even if you don't you know even if you don't talk to one another you know if aquaria and vixen want to give each other the cold shoulder that would actually be a hundred percent better than what we're getting now i mean more of this and i'm just going to be like screaming at people on social media which i don't like to do but yeah me, yeah me neither yeah mainly the editors and the producers because why are you perpetuating this crap can't we just like have stop a it we want a phone <laughs> show yeah this is not my show anymore. Stop making it that way. I don't like it anymore. So we can't even yell at Stephen Moffat about it. <laughs> or Russell T. Davis. Nope. <laughs> can we blame Chris Chibnall? Of course. Of course we can. Okay. There we go. So it's all your fault, Chris Chibnall, wherever you are. Um, so I guess that's it. Let's, uh, like I said, short and sweet this week, partially because our MC is off having adventures. Um, and we're not. So uh, until next week, which I hope will be a little better. Uh, this is Jan. And Ren. And bye. See bye. <laughs>